It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, and it is presented by BetOnline.ag. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 so you get a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is Joe Dolan. The number one ranked fantasy analyst on the planet over the last five years. Check him out. According to fantasypros.com, he is the guy at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. He has been, Joe, you have been, I can tell you directly, a fantastic addition to the show. And uh, big shoes to fill. You've done an unbelievable job. Very, very thankful for you since it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving spirit. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, five teams, seven years, love sports betting on the Even Money podcast, love fantasy football here on The Feast with Joe Dolan. I also love, by the way, just as an aside, I love when you guys have me do cameos for you. If you haven't ever done it, I just did one for one of you where I uh, was drinking a beer while I was doing it. Get the Cameo app. You can uh, have me do video shout-outs for whatever you want for 25 bucks. So birthdays, whatever you want, just video shout-outs. I'll do whatever you want. I don't care. It's fun. Um, Almost as fun as fantasy football. Let's start with Thanksgiving Thursday, Joe. The game I will be calling for Westwood 1 the 26th and 27th ranked teams in the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Power Rankings. The Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Allen Robinson, what else, Joe? Well, here's the, the thing about this week, Ross. You have two kind of things that you have to break down from a fantasy perspective. Number one is that that we have no teams left on by. So if you're playing in season long, you're probably not considering some of the lower end options that we would occasionally talk about on the podcast. However, because this Thanksgiving slate is isolated, there's the three games on it and the six teams playing, there's going to be a lot of people playing DFS. So when you talk about the Thanksgiving slate, you do have to bring in some lower-end players who you might not be all that tempted to play uh, in in your season-long league. So when I look at the, the, the Chicago Bears, it's Allen Robinson, you know that. David Montgomery's been a massive disappointment, even though this matchup is really good. The Lions have given up a lot of rushing production this year. Tariq Cohen's been okay for those of you in PPR. But if you're looking at the one-day, the three-game DFS slate, there's two guys I think you need to point out who also have value. One of them is Anthony Miller, who has six catches in each of his last two games. He's seen 20 combined targets in that span, and you have to remember that the Bears recently put Trey Burton on IR. They're getting nothing out of their tight end position, so much so that uh, that Matt Nagy came out this week and said Jesper Horstead is going to get, uh, I believe he's another Ivy League tight end, Ross, uh, is going to get more Princeton. looks at tight Princeton. end. Yeah, he's a Princeton guy, and he's yeah. good. Like, you know, it's funny. I think last week we were talking about Steve Carlson. So, Horstead, um, for three years, was unbelievable. 
He was all Ivy League three years, like much more talented than Carlson. And he also got drafted in Major League Baseball draft. Like he is a really good athlete. Now, I just can't imagine him blocking anybody. Um, okay. <laughs> so, but he was 6'4", 220-pound receiver. So if they're putting him in there, they're putting him in there because he – I mean, like he played in the – not the – no, yeah, not the Senior Bowl, but the Shrine Bowl as a receiver. So he runs receiver routes and has ridiculous body control and hands. So I wouldn't be surprised if he makes some plays, to be honest with you. No, no reason for them to not get him involved here with them at five and six. So he is a deep, 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 deep guy, even in these three game slates. Uh, but Anthony Miller, somebody to look at because he has the 20 targets. Um, Justin Coleman, the slot corner for the Lions is pretty good. Uh, but but Miller's been getting more targets. And the other guy that you can look at in one day slates is Mitchell Trubisky. I know it's Mitch Trubisky. However, last week against the Giants, against a bad defense, 278 yards, had a rushing touchdown, um, and against the Lions in Week 10, he had three touchdown passes. Remember, he actually made some of his best throws of the entire year in that game. So the Lions, before going against Dwayne Haskins last week, had given up multiple touchdown passes in six consecutive games. So Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a way for you to save some money on your quarterback if you're playing on the DFS slate on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. All right. Um, what about on the other side for the Lions? Uh, the Lions really have been struggling lately. Jeff Driscoll, in a way, came through for you if you streamed him last week. He did throw three picks, but he ran for over 60 yards, and he did throw a touchdown pass, so at least he didn't crush you. Um, he's still getting some some uh, some rushing production, and the Lions listed him with a hamstring injury this week, so I'd probably uh, shy away from Jeff Driscoll. A hamstring injury could be critical uh, because you need that rushing production for him to hit his fantasy floor. Uh, in the last two games, both Scarboroughs handled uh, up and over 75% of the Lions' carries, so he's firmly on the flex radar. The problem is he's not catching the ball um so Bo Scarborough kind of a flex guy Jeff Driscoll I'd shy away from in all uh, unless you want to go super contrarian on the Thanksgiving day slate Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are both worth considering however Galladay has been way more inefficient with Driscoll than Marvin Jones has has Jones has a 21 to 18 target advantage in Driscoll's three starts uh an air yard advantage of about 70 yards. So I think Marvin Jones is the guy who's probably the safest play. Uh, Danny Amendola may be a lower-end option for one-game DFS slates, but overall the Lions are one of those really, really struggling fantasy teams right now. The next game on Thanksgiving is the Buffalo Bills, and they're running back, Devin Singletary, at the Dallas Cowboys. There's two things that have really been a problem for Devin Singletary. Number one is the nature of Josh Allen as a player. Josh Allen would prefer to do it himself than take a check down. That's just the way he plays it. We've kind of seen that it, even though the Ravens have a completely different offense. You know, Lamar Jackson doesn't throw to his backs a whole lot. In the past, Cam Newton, before he had Christian McCaffrey, didn't throw to his backs a whole lot because those guys just prefer to do it themselves. And that's what we've been seeing with Josh Allen. So Devin Singletary isn't catching a lot of passes. The other two th things that are hurting him, and the, these are kind of conjoined, Frank Gore and Josh Allen at the goal line. Um, Josh Allen has seven rushing touchdowns this year. He had eight last year. Josh Allen is the Bills goal line back. So Devin Singletary looks explosive. He looks phenomenal. 
He has all the skills you look for in a running back. The problem is because he's not getting touchdown opportunities and Josh Allen really isn't checking the ball down, his fantasy ceiling has been limited. But Devin Singletary is the back you want to play among this team if you're going to be playing somebody. And keep in mind, Leighton Vander Esch might not play yet again for the Dallas Cowboys. A short week. Um, he didn't play against the Patriots on Sunday. This would be a good spot for Devin Singletary. Maybe he busts off a long run and gets in the end zone. But it's the lack of targets and the lack of touchdowns that are really hurting him. All right. So, John Brown, Josh Allen, what do you got at quarterback and receiver? Quarterbacks, uh, the defense has been a problem here for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, last week in those terrible conditions uh, um, against New England, I think you kind of throw out, you know, the quarterback performances, or at least you adjust for it. But the Cowboys have had some some trouble. They gave up some big throws uh, to Jeff Driscoll a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think this is a gettable defense. I do believe on on uh, the Thanksgiving slate, I think Dak Prescott and Drew Brees are going to be the highest-owned quarterbacks. However, I wonder if Josh Allen is the safest pivot away. Uh, Josh Allen is actually averaging more passing yardage and more touchdowns on the road this year compared to home games. He's averaging nearly 60 yards passing more per game on the road. And I think you have to owe that to the fact that he plays games in better conditions on the road than he does at home. This obviously is pristine conditions. He's going to be playing indoors. So Josh Allen's really appealing to me, as is John Brown. Because John Brown, even though his run of four catches and 50 yards in every game this year came to an end last week, he still managed to come through for fantasy because he beat Chris Harris for a 35-yard touchdown late in that game. Um, the the Cowboys gave up a huge touchdown to Robbie Anderson uh, back in week number six. The Cowboys have done a much better job against perimeter receivers. But the guy I'm really looking to, Ross, is Cole Beasley in the Cole Beasley revenge game. He has four touchdowns in his last six games. He has at least four catches in three consecutive games. The Cowboys had big-time problems with Julian Edelman last week, even in those bad conditions. Cole Beasley is the guy who I think is my favorite play from Buffalo on that three-game DFS slate. On the other side, you do have the Dallas Cowboys disappointing offensive performance against the Patriots and the weather conditions, and they're going against a pretty good Bills defense. What do you got for the boys? The Bills have allowed multiple t touchdown passes to a quarterback just once all year. That was Baker Mayfield a couple of weeks ago, and we obviously know what happened with Amari Cooper last week. Cooper shut down by Stephon Gilmore. He shut out of the box score. He's not 100%. Bad news for uh, for Amari Cooper. He gets another top corner this week with Tredavious White. Tredavious White helped hold Cortland Sutton to just one catch on eight targets last week. Now, Prescott and Cooper is a better connection than Brandon Allen and Cortland Sutton. It goes without saying. But Tredavious White is a corner. He is he, – you will see him get burned every once in a while. But this is a tough matchup for Amari Cooper. He's going to be the DFS contrary. The DFS chalk play at this wide receiver spot – is Michael Gallup, if any of these receivers are chalk. As I said, only one quarterback, Baker Mayfield in Week 10, has thrown multiple touchdowns against the Buffalo Bills. How about, uh, how do you like the matchup for Zeke and the receivers? 
the Bills, actually, the run defense has been a problem. Um, I think you you talked to Greg Cosell. Ed Oliver had struggled on the run. Um, and the Bills are averaging up and over four and a half yards per carry um, uh, this season to, to running back. So I think this is going to be a game that the Cowboys are going to want to start with Ezekiel Elliott. So I think Ezekiel Elliott's got the best matchup. Michael Gallup is going to benefit from from Cooper seeing Tredavious White in this game. And I also think Randall Cobb, who in that game against the Patriots, I mean, the Cowboys only really had one good passing play in that game against the Patriots. And it was Randall Cobb running away from that defense on that catch and run. I did not know he had those kind of wheels anymore. I think those three guys, Elliott, Cobb, and Gallup, are the three best matchups for the Cowboys in this game. Let's move on to the nightcap. It's the Saints at the Falcons. Saints are one of those narrow fantasy teams we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what specifically do you have for them in this matchup? Well, the the good news is the, the the Vegas markets last week did not buy the improvement of the Atlanta defense that it had shown over the two games. The Buccaneers and the Falcons game was the only game last week that was lined up in over 50 points. Turns out Vegas always knows. New Orleans Atlanta is lined at 49 points this week. It's the second highest uh, of the week thus far. So I anticipate New Orleans is going to score. Now this is in Atlanta, but New Orleans got a look at this defense a couple of weeks ago and Sean Payton is going to have a plan for them. And the one big problem for Atlanta is they did not sack Jameis Winston once last week. Adrian Claiborne was out. Is Claiborne going to be back? Because he was a huge factor when they sacked Uh, Drew Brees six times two weeks ago. I think Sean Payton's going to come out with a plan, and I expect your standard guys, Brees, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Jared Cook, to eat in this game. Uh, we Look, we know about Kamara and Cook. Uh, I mean, Kamara and Thomas. Uh, Thomas is arguably the most consistent player not named Christian McCaffrey in all of fantasy football. So we don't really need to talk about him. You play him every week. Even when the Saints have a bad game, he puts up numbers. Jared Cook, though, is a top-five tight end tight end right now he had a massive game last week uh for the new orleans saints against the carolina panthers i expect jared cook to be a very popular player i anticipate he will be by far and i I don't even think this is a question the chalkiest tight end on the dfs slate because look at the other options dawson knox you have jason witten uh, yeah, who God knows who's going to be playing for Atlanta if Austin Hooper doesn't go. Um, you have Braunecker and Horstead. Uh, it is not a great tight end slate. Jared Cook is basically going to be the guy people start with at the tight end position in their Thanksgiving Day DFS uh, lineups because there's really nobody else here who's appealing. All right. Who is appealing, if anybody, for the Falcons? Well, the problem is right now, if you're in season long, drop Brian Hill. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just no reason to, to – continue holding on to him right now at this point, Brian Hill. Um, he's uh, He's been really bad, and Kadri Allison's been the goal line back. Devontae Freeman might be back this week, so we'll have to see about that. Uh, the one thing that should be pointed out, that uh, Calvin Ridley has seen eight or more targets in seven of his 27 games in his career, and he's posted above 70 yards in all of them. The last two games without Austin Hooper have been kind of consistent target games for Calvin Ridley. He's been the main beneficiary of Austin Hooper being hurt. So I really like Ridley in this game, and we have to keep an eye on the status of Julio Jones, who was in and out of the lineup last week with a shoulder injury. That might suppress his DFS ownership on the Thanksgiving Day slate. Anything else Falcons-wise? I mean, you talked running back. Let's talk what, what else. 
yeah, I mean, Kadri Allison is the guy, I think, if Devontae Freeman doesn't play, I'm done with Brian Hill. Uh, Russell Gage, for those of you on the uh, on the slate, if Marshawn Lattimore does not play for the New Orleans Saints, they once again have to dig into their corner depth. That would mean Russell Gage, who had 10 targets last week, would be getting a beneficial matchup in the slot. He's somebody that season-long players have been considering for a little bit, but he had 10 targets last week. If Julio Jones is dinged up, if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't play, don't be surprised to see Russell Gage get a bunch of targets in this game as well. Let's get to Sunday. We're done with Thanksgiving. Sunday, it is the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Really happy for him, by the way, at the Indianapolis Colts. Start with Tannehill and the November-December monster known as Derrick Henry. Well, here's the thing with Tannehill now. Uh, Barring a complete faceplant, the question is just how many guaranteed years does he get from the Titans? Because he's going to be their quarterback next year. They're really they're running an efficient, effective offense. I think he's up and uh, up around 15 yards of completion over his last two games. The problem is with Tennessee is he isn't throwing the ball a whole lot. So he had 18 pass attempts. Uh, against Jacksonville last week. Now, of course, he had two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns, so he won somebody a lot of money in DFS. But it's it's one of those things where this side of Lamar Jackson, you really don't think that that's tenable because he's a good runner, but he's not an explosive one. But then he had the 19 uh, 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 pass attempts against Kansas City a couple weeks ago. This is how they want to play. So I think Tannehill is a streamable, kind of stream-worthy quarterback. The problem is I don't don't trust any of his wide receivers because A.J. Brown had the big game against Jacksonville, but two two weeks ago he had the terrible game with just one catch against Kansas City. So I'm not really trusting any of that. I think Corey Davis is flat-out droppable right now because I have a tough time saying to myself, when am I going to play Corey Davis in any of my lineups at this point? (laughs) So I think he's droppable. Ryan Tannehill um, has accounted for over 19 fantasy points and multiple touchdowns in each of his five starts. His 9.2 yards per attempt is leading the NFL. He's playing really well. And I think the Colts are a gettable matchup, even if it's not a pristine one. But the guy you always trust here is Derek Henry. He had a third touchdown last week, wiped out because of a screen pass. The The Colts are really struggling to score points right now. And we heard this week that T.Y. Hilton so far isn't sure he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. This projects to be a lower scoring game in Indianapolis, and that means all systems go for Derrick Henry. Locked in RB1, locked in core DFS play. Tight end for the uh, Titans? Nobody worthwhile. Nobody useful. Uh, Delaney Walker could be back. Jonu Smith didn't even have a target last week. He had a carry. Um, they, they got one target for Michael Pruitt. Ferkser didn't have a target. Um, Dennis Kelly, the backup tackle got a touchdown. The tight ends in Tennessee are useless. It's really Tannehill and Henry at this point of the season. The only two guys that I can consider with any sort of confidence. Conversely on the Colts, I was pretty disappointed by those drops from T.Y. last Thursday night. And you wonder if he was just focusing a little bit too much uh, on his calf. Uh, He said he's not sure what's going on, if he's going to be ready this weekend. And if he's not ready to go, that takes Jacoby Brissett out of the equation for me. The numbers have not been there for Brissett. He has gotten it done with rushing touchdowns, but just 16 for 25 for 129 last week against a beat-up Houston defense. That's not going to cut it for fantasy. Jacoby Brissett also just lost Eric Ebron. He's on IR, so maybe you could take a shot on Jack Doyle if you're in a PPR league. Not terribly exciting. 
but he's probably the guy I would focus on uh, of anybody with this receiving core. But, of course, the backfield is what people are going to focus on. And I think there was a statement made on Thursday, last Thursday. Marlon Mack's not going to play again this week. It's Jonathan Williams and it's Naeem Hines. Williams is an RB1 borderline right now. And if you need a flex in a PPR, I think you can use Naeem Hines. Really, the only guys I'm considering from Indianapolis in this matchup, Ross, which is not a good one, are Jonathan Williams, Naeem Hines, and Jack Doyle. That's it. Wow. All right. So how about the New York Jets at the Cincinnati Bengals? We can start with Sam Darnold and the New York Jets offense kind of getting cooking a little bit now. Yeah, uh, Darnold, uh, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, if you were looking for a quarterback down the stretch, I think, and maybe Darnold's still out there, folks, I think you can pick up Sam Darnold, use him, I said this last week, but you could use him against the Raiders, the Bengals, and I believe the Dolphins are next for, for Sam Darnold, and then you can pick up his cross-town, or not even cross-town, same stadium counterpart, Daniel Jones, who I believe plays Miami and Washington in weeks 15 and 16 when Darnold's schedule gets tough. You can find these guys, and Sam Darnold's got another pristine matchup this week against Cincinnati. I love him as a streamer. He's going to be very popular for DFS. And the one thing you might look at is the Jets could be forced to throw the ball a little bit more because Cincinnati might have more offensive firepower with Andy Dalton being back in there at quarterback. So I think this opens it up for Robbie Anderson, I think, uh, who I'm still a little iffy on, but they tried to get him going. His touchdown was a designed play for him. So it was obvious Adam Gase wanted to get Anderson going. And I think Jamison Crowder could bounce back from just two for 18 last week. So I love Darnold this week. I like Anderson. I like Crowder. Ryan Griffin at this point, top six fantasy tight end. No Chris Herndon to worry about. He scored a touchdown last week. And then Le'Veon Bell, it hasn't been pretty, but he's kind of an every week running back two at this point. So this is a pristine matchup for you to attack if you want to start some of these Jets that uh, that you might be thinking about. All right. Um, on the other side, the Bengals are going back, back to Andy, Andy. They're going back, back. Back, back to Andy. Andy, what do you got? Well, I actually think if you want to get super contrarian for DFS, the Red Rifle and the Bengals, who are at this point are just trying to win a damp football game. Um, I, I don't want them to win two if I were a Bengals fan to take them out of the blow for Burrow sweepstakes. I don't want that. But they're just trying to win a football game and get some confidence. So if you want to get a little bit contrarian here, I don't mind going with Andy Dalton, um, uh, and maybe stacking him with Tyler Boyd, who you could see his frustration. He had an angry, angry touchdown catch last week against Joe Hayden for 15 yards where he snatched the ball away from him. He was like, I am getting this ball. Remember, he had one catch for zero yards the week previous. So Tyler Boyd, Andy Dalton are contrarian plays. Look, hey, I'm not ranking them top 10 this week. I'm just telling you, this is a solid matchup. I think you can play these guys. Uh, Auden Tate, if you are dying, I think Andy Dalton gives him some life. And I think we need to give some credit to Joe Mixon, who has found some room to run in recent weeks. He had 79 rushing yards on 18 carries against a really tough Pittsburgh defense with a long of 14. So he was ripping off some consistent chunks of yardage. I actually think Joe Mixon is back in the RB2 kind of range. And I think he's viable for DFS. I don't think a lot of people are going to be attacking this game for DFS, at least from the Bengals standpoint. Maybe Mixon, Dalton, Boyd, those guys can be part of a contrarian lineup for you. 
Let's keep it moving with the Redskins at the Panthers. Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins. I mean, the guy is Terry McLaurin. That's it. Move on. Terry McLaurin, 12 targets last Now, he caught only five of them, but that's it. Ross, you cannot trust this backfield right now. They're essentially splitting snaps three ways between Peterson and whoever their passing down back is going to be. It was Wendell Small with the last two weeks. Maybe Chris Thompson comes back. If Chris Thompson comes back, it becomes an even harder backfield to parse because he's superior to Wendell Smallwood. They do not trust Geis in these passing down situations. I wish they'd give him a look. But for, for your purposes, it is only Terry McLaurin who had 12 targets last week. That is it. We're trying to win fantasy championships. You don't do it with bad teams with bad rookie quarterbacks. Unbelievable. All right. What about on the other side, the Carolina Panthers? It was good Kyle Allen again. Yeah, and and this is why we were saying last week, not every game has to be a referendum on a quarterback's career. You know, you evaluate if he played poorly, if he played well, and then you go back to the drawing board. Kyle Allen has at least shown he can be a capable backup quarterback in the NFL, and that is totally fine. Uh, and and uh, maybe he can be a low-end starter. We'll see what the Panthers think, but he had a nice game in harsh conditions in the Superdome. So give some credit to Kyle Allen. Uh, we know about McCaffrey. The guy to focus on is DJ Moore. He's gone over 100 yards in three of his last four games. In the other game, he missed it by four yards, uh, and he had 15 targets in that game. Six for 126 and two touchdowns against the Saints last week. DJ Moore is a wide receiver one in season long right now. He is the apple of Kyle Allen's eye. They are developing a strong chemistry. The one thing I would really like to see is them get Curtis Samuel going. And this is a really slow Washington secondary. The problem is Allen's deep ball just has not been very good, at the very least when it's getting targeted to Samuel. Samuel had four targets last week but had only nine receiving yards. He did have 40 yards rushing. It is a good matchup. Maybe he becomes kind of a contrarian play. But DJ Moore is going to be the chalk, and for good reason. Washington does not have somebody who can stop him. Anybody else, Panthers-wise? I mean, we know about McCaffrey – uh, thoughts on Kyle Allen, thoughts on anybody else, Greg Olson? It's a good quarterback streaming week because a lot of these guys, like Kyle Allen, have good matchups. So he's somebody who you can stream, uh, who you could consider uh, for DFS if you want to go contrarian. It, I don't think there's going to be a heavily owned quarterback with the exception of Lamar Jackson, uh, who's going to be heavily owned every week, uh, because um, – because there's so many good matchups for these guys. So Kyle Allen is in play. And Greg Olson, look, if you need five catches for 40 yards from your tight end, and a lot of people do, he's your man. He actually has five or more catches in three consecutive games. The problem is he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three. What about on the other side? Um, well, let's get to the Niners-Ravens. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. I can't believe this is like a 1 o'clock game lost in the shuffle with the rest of the 1 o'clock game. It's the two best teams in pro football by a lot, and they're playing against each other. Yeah, so it's going to be people are going to say the Super Bowl preview. We'll see about that. Obviously, these teams look great right now. They're both coming off big blowout wins over what people would consider playoff contenders, at least in the Packers. I know the Rams have their own set of problems. But, Ross, I think we can leave the hyperbole about Lamar Jackson and this offense to the NFL podcasts. And there's plenty of it. If you want Lamar Jackson content, believe me, Ross, I'm sure you have it on your network. You can get it everywhere. From our perspective, this is a fantasy podcast. The Ravens are the same team every week. 
Lamar Jackson is spectacular for fantasy. Mark Ingram is touchdown dependent, but he's also touchdown efficient. He seems to score every week. Hollywood Brown is a high upside, low floor wide receiver three every week. Mark Andrews is a top five or six fantasy tight end. And that is it. And I think maybe, maybe if you think the Ravens are going to blow an opponent out, which they have done in recent weeks, you could consider Gus Edwards as kind of a closer. But even getting 14 carries against the Rams on Monday night, he only had 57 yards rushing and he didn't get a target. So that didn't even do a whole lot for you. The Ravens are a four-man show for fantasy. And although this is as tough a matchup as they're going to face this year, it's those same four guys, and I don't know how you bench any of them. Yeah, I mean, right now, the quotes from Eric Weddle about I didn't even know who had the ball. I mean, right now, I think you got to kind of keep rolling and and believe somebody can slow them down or stop them when they show it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's 100% right. And it's a perfect marriage of a coach building a scheme to the unique talent that his quarterback has. And, and I saw people, oh, people are going to copy the Ravens. They're... There's like two guys on planet Earth who can do what Lamar Jackson does. Maybe one. So it's going to be hard to copy this team because Lamar is such – there are some mobile quarterbacks out there. But the Cowboys can't do this with Dak Prescott. He's not as explosive as Lamar Jackson. Uh, the, the, the Bills can't do it with Josh Allen. He's not as explosive as Lamar Jackson. He's just such a unique talent. And nobody has stopped it yet. And I don't know why we would even speculate on somebody stopping it because – Look, you can fade Lamar for DFS, okay? There's a plenty of options that are going to save you money, but nobody in their right mind is benching him in season long. It would be the dumbest thing you could do right now. What about um, as we go, Joe, on the other side with the Niners? Uh, this is a big, big, big spot for Jimmy Garoppolo to show his stuff, and it's look, it's a defense that's eating people alive right now. And one of the things I think that's helping the Ravens is they're able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback because the run game and the offense it has been completely indefensible. So they're just building leads, and then the defense can pin its ears back. But I would be concerned about this Ravens secondary going up against a banged-up Emmanuel Sanders and a young guy in Debo Samuel. Now, Sanders and Samuel. Samuel's been an every week starter here for like a month. And I know we talked about him early in the podcast. He was kind of the guy I'd want to hold on to of that receiving core. That is coming to fruition, but it's a really tough matchup. And the issue you have for a guy like Tevin Coleman coming out of the backfield is his play hasn't exactly been great recently. And the Ravens, uh, teams can't run against them because they're building such huge leads. So last uh, last night, Monday night, Todd Gurley got only six carries. So it's not going to cut it for Tevin Coleman. It's a bad matchup for everybody on the 49ers, though I do still think Samuel and Sanders are wide receiver threes, and you cannot bench George Kittle he's just too good but it, it's not a, a spot where I'd be very enthused about playing any of their running backs especially if Matt Breida comes back I can appreciate that what about receiver uh Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel are the yeah. two you can consider and they're wide I love receiver Debo Samuel this by nasty, the way what's that I love Debo Samuel oh he's he's physical you know he, you know, he kind of reminds me of his Pierre Garçon um, uh, he, and, and I know that, you know, the 49ers uniform helps, but he's a, he's got a nastiness to him. And I, I think he's more explosive than Pierre Garcon ever was, even though early in his career, Garcon had some explosive elements when he was with Peyton Manning, but he has that nastiness, that edge to him just with a little bit more explosiveness. And well, Ross, that's why he was a top 50 pick. 
Yeah. Um, the next game on the docket, Joe, is the Bucks at the Jaguars. How about Chris Godwin? Did you know his real name, Ross, by the way? Yes. It's Rod Godwin. No, that's I his real that. first name. I'm dead serious. Rod Godwin. Think of the kind <laughs> of industry you could have gone into with a name like that. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. But now nah, he's special. And and I think what, what's cool is I actually talked to Mike Evans this this uh, past weekend on SiriusXM Fantasy. And I think these two guys really feed off of each other because Mike Evans is such a freak that he opens things up for everybody around him, including Godwin. And Godwin's one of the most versatile receivers. Not to say he isn't also an athletic freak, but he's one of the most versatile receivers in the NFL. So inside, outside, it's just a dynamic pairing. And Jameis Winston, I love the guy. We said it last week. He's the only guy in fantasy football you can play for DFS and also play a defense against him because the guy could go for 404 touchdowns and still throw two pick sixes. Uh, it, it, he's a perfect fantasy football quarterback. The Buccaneers, it's Jameis, Godwin, Evans. You play these guys, you can consider them. And the only back you can now consider for Tampa, even though he's risky because you never know what the touch breakdown's going to be, it's Ronald Jones. They have figured out he's their best back. He got in the end zone last week. Two weeks ago, he had only four carries. So there's there's this disconnect with, with, with the run game. He's risky, but he is the only back you can consider. It's those four guys for the Buccaneers, and that is level it. Evans, Godwin, who are locked-in starters. Jameis, you can play. You always have to make a decision on him. And and Ronald Jones, you always have to make a decision on. But the Buccaneers have become a narrow fantasy team, and they have shown us over the last couple weeks you can ignore the tight end position. Yeah. Um, on the other side, you've got the Jags, who have been very disappointing since Foles came back. Yeah, the uh, the Jags fans want Minshew, and you have to wonder when that when that move, if that move comes, is going to come. You know, the the numbers are still kind of there for for Foles. Um, this is a really good matchup, by the way, for Foles uh, for DFS purposes, for streaming purposes. It's a really good matchup for their fast wide receivers, uh, uh, DJ Chark. If you are dying this week and you want a really cheap DFS option, how about Chris Conley against this Buccaneers secondary that gives up a lot of plays down the field? He's somebody you can consider. And um, and D.D. Westbrook, who finally got uh, a solid game in the box score here with Nick Foles at quarterback last week, uh, even though it was a disappointing loss against the Titans, uh, D.D. Westbrook in a tough matchup with Logan Ryan, 8 for 69. So I think you could consider Foles. You could consider those three wide receivers. And obviously, you play Leonard Fournette every week. Ross, I used Leonard Fournette as a pivot play away from Derrick Henry in DFS last week. Actually worked out really well because not only did he run for two touchdowns, he had 12 targets. And that's the part that has made Leonard Fournette extra valuable for fantasy. Because even though he hasn't been scoring touchdowns all year, he has just three, he has the targets each and every week. He is a slam dunk RB1. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that one. Uh, anything else on the Jags or did we hit it all? Yeah, we hit it all. They put the the rookie tight end, Josh Oliver, on IR, and Nick O'Leary caught four passes last week, but I'm not really considering their tight ends as anything viable. Moving on, let's get to the Mason Rudolph-Miles Garrett rematch, although neither one of them will be playing. (laughs) Miles Garrett is suspended. Mason Rudolph benched in favor of Devlin Duck Hodges. We can start with the Browns, though. They are really heating up on the offensive side of the ball lately, Joe. 
And again, one of the teams that has shown us maybe not every game or every even stretch of games has to be a referendum on a guy's career. And I I know people love to bury Baker Mayfield early in the year. There was so much hype. There was so much hype for fantasy. There was so much hype for MVP talk. The Browns are going to the Super Bowl. They got Beckham and all that. And people were worn out by it. They're worn out by his personality. They're worn out by the commercials. But he is settling down. And against this defense, though, Ross, it's a damn good defense. I know he accounted for three touchdowns against Pittsburgh, but he completed just 53.1% of his passes. It's the worst of of his last six games, and it's the the lowest total of his last six games uh, in passing yardage. He threw for just 193 against Pittsburgh. So on the road, the crowd is going to be hostile in this game. Uh, It's a tough spot for Baker Mayfield and company. After a solid reprieve against Miami, they're back to playing a a tough team in Pittsburgh. Not the greatest of spots for Baker Mayfield and company. Yeah. um, That environment's going to be crazy. What about Chubb and the receivers? Well, Chubb, you just have to play every week. The guy has 20 or more carries in six consecutive games and in eight of his last nine. It was encouraging to see him get a season high 58 receiving yards, despite Kareem Hunt being back out there. Chubb is a locked in RB one Kareem Hunt, probably in on the flex level. And uh, I think I consider both OBJ and Jarvis Landry wide receiver twos at this spot um, because Pittsburgh secondary is so good though. Keep in mind, especially for, uh, for uh, Odell Beckham, that Tyler Boyd caught a touchdown on Joe Hayden last week. The one other guy I want to watch from Cleveland, we'll see if David Njoku can return from his wrist injury this week. There was talk he could do it last week. Um, they decided to get him a full week of practice, and then they they didn't play him. But this is a team that has been playing almost exclusively two back, one tight end sets. They've been playing both uh, Hunt and, and uh, Nick Chubb, and they've been playing with a tight end, and they've been rotating that guy. This is actually a pretty good matchup for tight ends. Tight ends have gotten the Steelers this year. David Njoku is an interesting guy to pick up off the waiver wire if you need tight end help. As for the Steelers and Duck Hodges, I don't think Connor's going to play. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster's going to play. I mean, who is there to talk about from a fantasy perspective? Well, Duck Hodges did throw the uh, the touchdown pass to James Washington down the field. But, I mean, you look at his numbers, and he went 5 of 11 passing. Small sample size, I understand. But you saw Mike Tomlin's comments here on Tuesday, and he said, and they said, why are the reporters like, why are you going with Hodges? You have to ask the question. And he goes, well, because he's not killing us. So that was more of an indictment of of Mason Rudolph. You know, he didn't have to say that, by the way. He didn't. Have, he could have just said uh, the, the old line, oh, he gives us the best chance to win. He went a step further than that, and he said, well, Hodges might not be great, but he's not killing us. So not not exactly the guy I'd be looking to stream. I am okay playing James Washington if you need one of these receivers, but I'm not terribly excited about anybody else in the passing game. The guy who I think you could look at with the Steelers at home maybe trying to shorten this game is Benny Snell because if James Conner doesn't play and he made comments on his rodeo program that seems to indicate he doesn't think he's going to be ready – Benny Snell had 21 carries for 98 yards last week against Cincinnati. He added a five-yard catch, and it appears Pittsburgh is convinced Jalen Samuels is only a passing down back. I think Benny Snell is going to lead this team in carries this week. Interesting. Um, Anything else Steelers-wise, or do we move on? Nope, it's Snell. Uh, Samuels, if you need a PPR option, I like James Washington, but if Juju doesn't play, that's about it. Moving on to the Packers at the Giants. That was pretty ugly for the Packers 
on Sunday against the Niners. They got torn apart. Well, this is going to be a bounce-back game for the Packers because the Giants' defense can't even approach what the Niners' defense is. But if you want to put context uh, onto how awful that Packer performance was, take a look at this. Everybody, Ross, you're in Pennsylvania. You know how people are talking about the Eagle offense right now. Against the Seahawks, in that game that has everybody riled up, the Eagles averaged 4.8 yards per play. All right? Not a good number. Not a good number. But 4.8 yards per play. On Sunday night against the 49ers, the Packers averaged 2.8 yards per play. That's about as bad as I've seen. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 104 on 33 pass attempts, 3.15 yards per attempt. Uh, you don't see that anymore uh, in the NFL. I expect Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed off. Um, they're going. I think this is going to be a huge game for Devontae Adams. Uh, I think it's going to be a big game for Aaron Jones, and I think he's my lock button running back of the week, by the way. I'm going to start DFS lineups with Aaron Jones because I think it's a bounce-back game for him, and I think Jamal Williams is on the RB2 radar. But here is the thing about Green Bay. Even though... This is a great matchup for the passing game, and I think Aaron Rodgers is very viable in DFS. The last time a wide receiver or tight end for Green Bay, not named Jim, uh, not named, excuse me, Devontae Adams, topped 10 fantasy points in a PPR, which is just five catches for 50 yards, four for 60, however you want to count it. The last time a Green Bay receiver or tight end, not named Devontae Adams, topped 10 fantasy points in a PPR was six weeks ago in week seven. Even in a good matchup, you are just guessing with the rest of these receivers. So none of them at this stage in the fantasy season are in any way fantasy viable. Wow. All right. Um, What about the running backs? Well, I think Aaron Jones is a top five option this week. I think this is going to be a bounce back game for him. And I think Jamal Williams is a solid RB too. As for the Giants on the other side. What do we do with Saquon? Uh, he did, He does not look right to me. And he's a competitor. He played over 95% of the snaps last week, but he just doesn't look right. Now, this is a 40, uh, Packer defense that has struggled on the ground. Maybe DFS, he's going to be a tournament play this week. Contrarian, this has been a Packer defense that gave up two rushing touchdowns last week to the 49ers. They have struggled on the ground all season. It is somebody who I think, if Saquon doesn't get it done this week, I think the Giants have all the incentive to shut him down, which is why I've been advocating. Those of you who are in deep bench leagues or just looking for a stash guy, Go get Wayne Gallman because I think the Giants could shut Saquon down. But this is a good matchup. If you have him in season long and you're still alive, you got to play him. And I wouldn't argue against you if you decided to use him in DFS tournament spots. But it is not a great look right now. Saquon does not look good. Yeah, I agree. What about the receivers? I think Golden Tate's in the concussion protocol, right? Uh, he is in the concussion protocol after uh, Sterling Shepard just came out of it. Uh, Shepard, he was back last week, but I believe he had like five targets and just nine receiving or uh, 15 receiving yards on nine targets, excuse me. So it wasn't great for Sterling Shepard, though he is viable this week. I think Darius Slayton's viable as a wide receiver three every week. And we also want to keep an eye on the status of Evan Ingram. So to figure out what we need from Daniel Jones uh, and, and uh, Golden Tate, obviously, Evan Ingram, we need to keep an eye on the status of those two guys. Ingram with the foot, Golden Tate, and concussion protocol. Can't really get some solid answers until we see their statuses. Moving on, the last game for the 1 o'clock games here in part one 
It's the Eagles at the Dolphins. What are you going to do with the Eagles offense at this point, Joe? Well, the Eagles offense is just an utter mess, and it was also exacerbated there, Ross, uh, against the the oh, well, frankly, the last two weeks by a lack of availability of of skill position players and a lack of availability of key offensive linemen. The Eagles were essentially without their entire right side of their offensive line against the Seahawks with Lane Johnson having the concussion and Brandon Brooks battling anxiety. Um, So they were without the right side of their offensive line. Both Johnson and Brooks are expected back. The Eagles released Jordan Matthews this week, which indicates that, that Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar are going to be expected back. Now we've bagged on Aguilar and Jeffrey all year, but at the very least, Jeffrey gives Carson Wentz some level of competency on the perimeter, and it is a good matchup. So if you are looking for the ultimate contrarian play, Jeffrey and Wentz stack here as Wentz tries to get his mojo back isn't the worst thing to do in this spot uh, against a bad Miami defense that is competitive. It just doesn't have any players. Now, Philly doesn't have many players either. But, Ross, this is a top-down thing for Philadelphia Nothing is working, and what what right now they have is a quarterback who is a big play type of playmaker who is being forced to execute an offense that needs 15 play drives to score, and it is a bad combination right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Um, I mean, what what are you doing? Like, who who else is who who's even playable in your mind? I th- well, I think Jeffrey is playable. Obviously, Ertz and Goddard are playable. Goddard's been frustrating, by the way. Um, he's had problems with drops. He had that bad fumble against Seattle. Um, he's been really frustrating. Ertz is probably your number one tight end each and every week, just by necessity at this point. I don't know. Wentz throws him the ball 20 times a game because he doesn't have anybody else to throw to. He doesn't trust anybody else. We saw um, all the breakdowns about the bad routes that his receivers ran last week. You know, um, The one thing I would say is I really like the way Miles Sanders is running, and I'm not really sure why the Eagles had Carson Wentz drop back 40 five times in that game when Miles Sanders was averaging over five yards a carry against the Seattle defense that had been good against the run. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they subject Wentz to that when he has no receivers. He's struggling with his confidence and his mechanics right now. They should give the ball to Miles Sanders more. We'll see about Jordan Howard, but I like this spot for Miles Sanders a lot. Um, on the Dolphin side of things, Kalen Balaj, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. <laughs> well, you can do a lot more than hope to contain Kalen Balaj. Ross, he had seven carries for 13 yards last week, and that's a good game for him. Um, I don't know why they didn't get Patrick Laird more involved. I would not play either of these backs against this Philly run defense. I know Rashad Penny had a good game last week, but the Dolphins are not the Seahawks. Um, bad spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick. The only guy I'm willing to consider in Miami is Devontae Parker. But as we've even seen in recent weeks, that Eagles secondary has been really good. Bottling up guys. They held Tyler Lockett catchless last week. I know he's banged up. Devontae Parker has been one of the most consistent players in fantasy football. uh, But he's a wide receiver three against an Eagle defense that has really found its mojo. What else, Dolphins? Anything? Uh, Mike Kosicki, maybe. Um, Once again, though, not a great matchup. Though worth, worth pointing out that Jacob Hollister was wide open for a touchdown last week against the Eagles and Russell Wilson just missed him, totally overthrew him. Yeah, that was crazy. That was really surprising. Yeah, so it was a bad game. Look, the conditions were bad in Philly too, but that was a bad game for both quarterbacks, uh, Wentz and Wilson. Wilson just, you know, he made more plays and he has more guys available to make plays. 
I love it, Joe. Very well done. I like that we're halfway through. No bye week, week 13 in the NFL. I also like when I'm, well, you know, feeling good about where I'm at everywhere in life, including Manscaped. Best in men's below-the-belt grooming. It matters. It's important. Whether it's self-confidence, whether it's how it looks, whether it's how your partner thinks it looks, whatever the case might be, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I love that. I love stuff that rhymes like that. Look, um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I've had a couple of bad incidents back when I was using like those little scissors. I think I would use like those little scissors you're supposed to use for your nose hairs. I would use those to trim my, you know what? Uh, I can just say it, my pubic hair. To trim my pubic hair. And guess what? It's not the right tool for the job. Manscaped has the right tools, whether it's the lawnmower 2.0 with the proprietary skin safe technology or the crop preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. These dudes are on top of it. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code feast at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Free is for me. At manscaped.com, use code FEAST, clean up your you-know-whats, and make Santa proud this year. We still have episode two to go, Joe. Very much looking forward to it. Much to discuss, of course. We got a bunch of late games. We got a bunch of night games. We will get to them in part number two. If you haven't already today, you can check out the Power Rankings Tuesday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Not a lot of movement on my number one and number two. Don't need it. I've had them in the right place for a while now. And we also had the College Draft Podcast, Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Check it out. Just like you check out part two tomorrow with my buddy Joe. Actually, we'll actually have it for you in the podcast app shortly after midnight. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.